ulterior. Man, I, I don't even really know what to, uh, what to talk about for an intro, what to just kind of, um, you know, sort of generalize from the real world the way that I normally do, because I just feel like there's not a lot going on right now, but there is a lot going on when it comes to discourse on Twitter as it relates to this particular music scene, and it's a topic that I want to go into, but I'm going to wait a week because I kind of want to like really, you know, gather my thoughts and, and make sure that um, I'm doing the topic justice because it's a topic that I am pretty passionate about and I have a lot to say and I want to make sure that I'm saying the right things. If any of that rambling makes any remote bit of sense. But anywho, what do we got today uh, when it comes to music? You know, the whole reason why any of us are even here. Or I assume that's why you guys are here. Because if not, that's kind of weird. Actually, I do have something that I want to say real quick. Shout out motherfucking Eminence, alright? Because aside from just being an amazing fucking band, Eminence reposted a TikTok clip of mine on, well, obviously TikTok. And they got my numbers up. They showed up and showed out and so did their fan base and that was awesome. That that was genuinely really, really goddamn sick. So shout out again, Eminence, Eddie Berg, everybody over, over there at that project. Y'all did me a fucking solid. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, anyways, back to the topic at hand, this week's material. So what do we have to talk about today? What do you guys want to talk about? I'll stop saying that someday. Uh, we got brand new singles by the likes of 408, Boston Manor, Dayseeker, and a couple of others I want to mention, and then two new albums by Bloom and The Requiem. Thank you so much, thank you for tapping in, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. I feel like I said everything that I needed to as it pertained to scene news, so we're just going to go right into the singles for this week, and the first one up that I want to mention is by 408, and it is Life Goes On. This is the latest single off of Hot Mess, which is dropping on March 22nd, and in the course of this rollout, I feel like song by song, I've started to understand it with 408. Not that I didn't beforehand, or, you know, appreciate them or anything like that, but I'm truthfully somebody who, I, I kind of need pop punk to embody a lot more personality than what the genre can sometimes produce in the contemporary age. And the singles for Hot Miss have absolutely done that. Life Goes On is such a like such a beautiful song. It's primarily acoustic and it tells the story of someone detailing the 
realities of growing up and being away from loved ones and cherishing memories, you know, the kind of shit that might be cliche in theory, but in practice, the way that it's executed here, it's one of my favorite songs by any band so far this year. It's the kind of track that I know I can put on and look out at the sunset and just reflect on my own personal journeys in life and the connections to people who are both in and out of my peripheral at this point. And when struck at the right moment, Life Goes On can be one of the most tear-jerking songs that exists right now in the scene. I was not expecting this track to hit me as hard as it has every single instance of me hearing it, but I'm really thankful for it. And like I said before, I feel like the rollout for Hot Mess has only done like a a world's worth of favors for 408. We have a brand new single out right now by Boston Manor. It is called Container. It had been a little bit quiet from Boston Manor in terms of releasing new music after part one of Detura back in 2022, so there was a world's worth of excitement from myself and many others in the lead up to Container once it was clear that the band began teasing new music on social media and, you know, what we can only assume is the beginning of a rollout year. Container captures the signature style of Boston Manor really well in its progression that feels as punk as it does grunge, especially with the guitar tone that is the perfect accompaniment to Henry's vocal delivery. It's got a really big anthemic sound to its chorus, and I feel like it's the perfect song for Boston Manor to have resurfaced with. Just super catchy, super aggressive in the right ways. A very cool song that I think sets the tone just perfectly and in the right frame for the next era of Boston Manor. And if this upcoming era is anything like the prior ones in Boston Manor, then by the end of this year, we will be having the conversation once again about Boston Manor being one of the best bands in the world going. Some very interesting developments over in the camp of Dayseeker, and I'm going to get into the specifics of all that right now. They release a single that is an acoustic rendition of their song, Burial Plot. It's taken from me, it's my fault that you're gone. I've been digging in the dirt, finding every way to hurt. There's no lie, it's just dark. So Dayseeker actually announced an acoustic album called Replica, which is set to be released on April 19th. It's going to have various acoustic renditions of songs from Sleep Talk and Dark Sun, and then a cover of My Immortal by Evanescence. So it's a really cool looking project from them that I'm excited to hear in full, especially coming off a burial plot being the lead single of sorts, because that's probably my favorite Dayseeker song ever made. And on this acoustic rendition, you don't just get Rory being the you know, quintessential voice he's always been, but it also features Caleb Shomo from Beartooth, who sounds just as beautiful and enchanting here as Rory. It's a really sick collaboration between the two sides, and to me, it it adds even more of a, like, deeper emotional layer to a song like Burial Plot, which was already fucking gut-wrenching in my opinion. Um, 
you know, I have every bit of faith and trust in the world for Dayseeker to be able to pull off this acoustic album and even possibly have it be one of the best projects in their entire discography. I think that opportunity is there for them to strike with a replica. Dark Side is the name of the newest single out by Aviva. I actually mention Aviva by name a lot on this show, like more than most other artists because she is consistently putting out new single after new single that I think they're always of great quality, but when it comes to Dark Side, there is a sort of like like a vibrancy to the production that elevates it above most of what else she's done by this point, in my opinion. Like, I feel like I can kind of liken the style and sound of this song to the likes of 21 Pilots and Water Parks, but even then, her delivery vocally over the rhythm makes it completely hers and a track that exists all to herself in her universe. The chorus of Dark Side is one of the coolest and catchiest moments in her catalog. It is a very fun sounding track that I think is very easily accessible for anybody out there. And if somebody happened to have never heard of Aviva before, you might not have a better possible starting point at your disposal than Dark Side. The final single for the episode that I'm going to highlight is by Stan Atlantic. It is Warzone. So, Stan Atlantic, they are very much so in their sort of, I guess, experimental bag right now, and there's nothing wrong with that. I know some people out there were indifferent on Sex on the Beach, which I did not have an issue with. It wasn't a tremendous effort or anything like that, but it was nowhere near as offensive to me as others painted it out to be. And then, you know, there, there is some apprehension publicly with Warzone as well. But personally speaking, I think this song is cool as fuck. It's a new metal song as opposed to the like pop punk and pop rock energy that Stan Atlantic notably exude. But it never feels forced or gimmicky in its runtime. It's super catchy and the delivery on the chorus from Bonnie, it fits the vibe immaculately. The rhythm is just as outstanding in my opinion. It gets you amped, man. It's high in intensity and you know like adrenaline inducing all that sort of shit it's a bag that they haven't dug into before but i'm really really glad they did so on warzone and i am really really excited to continue watching this band explore some new sounds if that is the direction that they choose to head in from here on out after warzone these were the remaining singles for the week that i gave either a four or a five to in the reviews on social media Ruin by A Sense of Purpose, Deadbringer by Aborted featuring Shadow of Intent, Hollow Heart by Andromeda, Ungod by Bad Love, Hot Chocolate by Bears and Trees, Switchblade OST by Diamond Construct, Adrenaline by Drippin' So Pretty, Ready Rock by Fever 333, Charlatan Blues by Foxblood, 
First Light by Lightworker, Lunar by Loudblood, Addicted by Loveless, Burn the Witch by Paris featuring Tommy Genesis and Alice Longyu Yao, Hive Mind by The Browning, Straight Up, which is a Paula Abdul cover by Throw the Fight, Another Ghost by Upon a Burning Body, Two-Faced by Wake Up Hate, To the Flowers by Washi Sleeps, No Ceremony by Wristmeat Razor, and Trepanation by Wristmeat Razor. So once again, no song fell below a four. I would say this was definitely another successful week for singles, but to me, the the story here and the like crux of this week and ultimately this episode, it's going to come from the two albums that I have to talk about today, because these are two albums that have just over the course of a couple of days impacted me in a way that it sometimes takes records years for me to feel towards them the way that I feel towards these two releases. And I want to make sure that I am getting that point across to you guys because these two albums genuinely mean that much to me. The first one up is by Bloom. It is called Maybe in Another Life. So the inadvertent theme for the episode is debut records because both albums that you guys are going to hear me talk about for the next couple of minutes are the first full lengths from these two bands and they were debut full lengths that I had insane expectations for because of the quality of the singles and also understanding how much talent is already possessed by these bands despite still being you know relatively young in tenure and in the case of Bloom... They had more than enough material in the past few years to, you know, kind of like really cement themselves as one of the most promising acts that could potentially break through, not just out of Australia, but the entire world for the scene. Um, They had an EP in 2020 called In Passing that was a bit low-key at the time of its release, and, you know, truthfully, I didn't hear it until a few months after the fact, but I was sold on Bloom just off of that. Um, I thought it was a great place for myself to start with their sound and get a real grasp for how well they could venture through the, you know, sort of like, um, I guess like branches of melodic hardcore. And then in early 2022, I got to hear Sink Into the Soil and mention it on the show. And I feel like that song, it captured the essence of the genre perfectly. And it had my hopes up for something of an extended format from them in 2022, but alas, it took a little bit longer to get to that point with maybe in another life, but regardless, the album is here, and it is everything I wanted it to be, and then some. It is very, like, grimy and dark in how it approaches the genre, and I think that's even evident from the artwork, which just exudes somberness. Like, it reminds me... Okay, so this might, be, this might sound weird, but it reminds me of a part of a game called Life is Strange, and... In the final episode where Max goes through a dark maze, that might not make any sense, but it's just kind of where my mind went at. But anyways, the album absolutely knows what it wanted to accomplish in terms of how 
it made the listener feel, and that's why an entry works so well as the intro song, because it is very stripped back in terms of its nature, and it really gives Jono the chance to, like, set the mission statement with lines like, step into my mind where darkness shadows over light, let me dream of what could be, I'll walk you through my fantasies, and the way that song transitions into the title track it's one of the coolest and sickest things I've been able to hear recently, and the aggression with which that song commands listeners' attention made it really, really clear to myself very early on in the album that the expectations I had for Bloom were going to be just fine, and if anything, exceeded. I think songs like um, Siren Song and Bound to Your Whispers are super accessible for anybody coming to Bloom for the first time from, you know, maybe other bands in the genre like Counterparts or Keepsake. And then you get to a song like Carve Yourself Into My Lungs, which spends half of its runtime showing off a slower and more brooding side to Bloom, very captivating at that. And I feel like it did a lot to help expand the horizons of the record because it's moments like that first half and then um, the chorus on You and I, for instance, that make my mind start wandering to a band like Sunny Day Real Estate and the sort of emo royalty that melodic hardcore can sometimes draw inspiration from. And it's heard on Fragments of a Dream, which honestly might be my favorite song on the album as of right now. And then the closing song, Through the Threshold, Beyond the Bend. The album is just littered with so many moments that strike me as being not just musically sound, but emotionally as well. Bloom made it to where maybe in another life turned into something greater than just a debut album. It is the starting point for a band that is going to be around for a very long time, making special moments and connections and attachments with audiences who their material is going to resonate with, because if maybe in another life can have this kind of a profound impact on myself, it's going to happen with so many others around the world, and I cannot wait to see Bloom just capture that world in their hands. And now for the second and final album of the episode, I, uh, I'm, I'm a little bit emotional right now. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I can't cap. Um, let's, let's talk about it. Let's do what we got to do. A Cure to Poison the World by The Requiem. This is one of the greatest debut albums in scene history, and I believe that's something that I've said on this show before about Static Dress and Spirit Box and Sharia Moore, but it's never a diluted statement in my mind whenever I apply that sort of nomenclature to a record. And what The Requiem did on A Cure to Poison the World is 100% deserving of that adulation, not just from myself, but from the entire alternative scene community. I want to take a step back briefly and kind of rewind the timeline a bit because The Requiem have actually been on Alterior's radar since they were called L'Exquisite Doulier, I hope I said that correctly, and um, they put out I'll Be Late For My Funeral back in 2021, and just off of that one single alone, 
I could sense the potential power that this band had within them because it just felt like they understood everything about what it was that they were trying to achieve in terms of sound and aesthetic because they are very heavily inspired by post-hardcore and emo bands of the 2000s like My Chemical Romance and The Use and AFI. But at no point in the album did it ever feel like a knockoff of any of those bands. They took a style that so many of us have very personal, sentimental, nostalgic memories with and carved it in a way where it's their own name on this now. And it doesn't just pay homage to those kinds of bands, but I think the Requiem also set the standard for what that kind of music is meant to sound like in the 2020s and every period moving forward beyond that. When the band rebranded themselves as a Requiem and signed to Fearless Records to properly begin the rollout for A Cure to Poison the World, it, it just felt like it was like second nature in a way to Damien and Felipe and Salem to write some of the catchiest and most angst-filled songs and hooks that the scene has currently. Take, for example, Diary of a Masochist and the dramatic nature of that song's intro that just so perfectly bleeds into the wall of sound, and it's such a great way to kind of set the tone and the pace for what would become of the record. An elegy written on Porcelain Arms had one of the biggest choruses of last year, and then I think now, Kill the Lights has one of the best choruses of this year. I said earlier that the album has a big dramatic flair to it, and I don't know if any song really embodies that more than the closer before I go, because that song sounds like a theater play. It is one of the more like slow songs on the record, yet it still packs as much punch as something like the opener, This Is How the World Ends, which is very like go, go, go in its pacing. And not to spoil anything for you guys, but the opener and closer are connected to each other in a way that it just adds to the album's effectiveness, and I really hope everybody who has heard the album by now picked up on it, because when I heard it for the very first time, I was just fucking speechless, bro. It was amazing. There is a primarily acoustic song on here called Two Lovers Left Alive that does an incredible job at showing off that side of the band, and it has really beautiful production to accompany it. And then when this album was released, the band dropped the video for Cursed at the same time, and... I don't know as of right now if I want to call it the most defining song on the album, but it is the one that I've gone back to the most so far, and not to be dramatic or hyperbolic or whatever, but it's honestly brought me close to tears so many of the times that I've heard it. Cursed, to me, is one of the most, like, Black Parade-coded songs I've ever listened to that manages to be, in my opinion better than some of the best songs on that album and the totality of 2000s emo music. Like, if Curse came out in 2005 or 6, it would have been a hit on alternative radio. It would have been right there in the rotation with The Kill and Dirty Little Secret and everything else from back then. It is one of the most beautiful and euphoric things I've ever listened to, and I feel like I can properly extend that notion to the whole album because what A Cure to Poison the World achieved is something that I think should be celebrated by the entire community. This is a masterpiece of an album, guys, and it would have taken a lot of bands up until their fourth or fifth records to piece something like this together, yet The Requiem did it on their very first try. I have wanted something like this for 
as long as I've been reviewing music, I've wanted to be able to talk about a record that channels the spirit and the passion and the heart of 2000s emo music and a time period that helped me get into scene music. And The Requiem did more than just that. They provided the soundtrack to my my brain and my memories. They made the sound theirs in the contemporary age and in turn have made A Cure to Poison the World one of the greatest debut albums of all time, one of the greatest post-hardcore albums of all time, and maybe at the end of the day, guys, it's just straight up one of the greatest albums of all time. And that's it. Those were the albums and the singles for this week for me to review. Um, there might be some noise going on in the background. I think somebody's doing like some like yard work outside. Um, don't mind them. Let it be whatever it's going to be. Um, this was good for me. This was a cathartic release because, uh, I really want to emphasize that to you guys. Like what the Requiem and Bloom did for me in the last couple of days, that's going to stick with me, man. That's genuinely going to have a profound impact on my month and the coming months and the year and the coming years and just the fucking landscape that I traverse through. The Requiem and Bloom have a part of that. And I might sound like super dramatic and hyperbolic and whatever the fuck else. I don't give a fuck, man. Those two albums, they touched me in my goddamn spirit. And I'm more than happy to sit here and talk about any album in the future that is going to do that sort of a thing to me. And in turn, maybe it's done the same thing for you guys. And maybe my words or anybody else's words can possibly make way for the albums to do just that for you guys in the future. And that's, uh, what's up, Levi? Oh, you're Armin. I'm sorry. Uh, I don't know if you guys could hear my cat Armin meowing in the background because his owner will not shut the fuck up about music. I'm stopping right now, Armin. I'm stopping right now. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go now and, um, edit this or do whatever else. I'll probably just hear the Requiem in Bloom again, to be honest with you. Anyways, uh, thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And as always, for the love of the game, let's make a scene. 